Welcome to God's Story, the narrative adaptation of the Bible. This week's chapter covers the second year of Jesus' ministry. Chapter 27. Jesus is favored. Out of the crowds of followers who often accompanied him, Jesus called twelve to be his closest allies. In addition to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, James and his brother John, Matthew, Philip, and Nathaniel, Jesus called Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Jude Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. Then Jesus looked out at the crowd who had gathered on the mountainside and began to teach them. When you feel crushed by your own sinfulness, look to God for help from a place of humility and you will be lifted up. When you are overwhelmed with grief, look to God and you will find comfort. Derive your satisfaction in devoting yourselves to living out the teachings of God, no matter what else happens. Keep your hearts pure if you want to remain close to God. Don't despair if you suffer, and when you follow God, you will share in the Creator's kingdom. When you feel you have no power in a world that worships and abuses power, look to your King, the God of all creation, for your sense of worth. Even though the world is often a cruel place, be merciful, and God will show mercy to you. Even though life in the world around us is so often marked by conflict, be people who value actively pursuing peace all around you. This is how the people of God are known. You are the light of the world. No one lights a candle and then puts a bowl over it. You put it on a stand and light up a whole room. Let your good works be the light that leads people closer to God. Even though some of the things I say might seem new, do not take that to mean that I am trying to get rid of anything in the law or anything that the prophets said. Nothing in God's law will change until the very end of the world when everything is finished. Anyone who ignores any of these commands and teaches others to do so will be called least in God's kingdom. Unless your righteousness is even greater than the Pharisees and Sadducees, you can't enter God's kingdom. You've all heard the law written so long ago not to murder or face judgment, but that judgment will come on anyone who has wrath in their heart, whether they kill someone or curse them or hate them. So if you know there is someone in your life that you are not at peace with, it doesn't matter if you're on your way to the temple. Stop what you're doing and go reconcile with them. If you're being sued, try to make peace with that person privately, or you may face an even worse consequence at the hands of the judge. You've all heard the law that you are to remain committed to your spouse. But if you even desire another person like you do your spouse, you have broken the law in your heart. If there is part of your life that leads you to sin, get rid of it, no matter what it is. Think of it like an infected limb that needs to be amputated. You've studied the law and try to understand what the right way is to get divorced. But unless your spouse has violated your marriage covenant, there is no right way to get divorced. You've all heard that if you make an oath, you must keep it. But I'm telling you, don't make oaths at all. Don't swear to do something by heaven, 
because that's God's throne, or by earth, because that's God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, which is God's holy city, or even by your own head, which you have no authority over. All you need to say is yes or no. You've all heard that when you are wronged, it's acceptable for you to demand justice, an eye for an eye, as they say. But I tell you that an obsession with getting what is due to you is not the answer. Everything you will ever need, God will provide. So if someone slaps you on one cheek, don't hit them back. Turn your other cheek. If someone sues you for your shirt, don't worry about it. Give them your coat as well. If you're forced to walk a mile with a Roman soldier as the law requires, go beyond the scope of the law. Walk two miles. Give to those who ask of you, even if you might not get something back, out of a sense of abundance that comes from God. You've all heard that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you to love everyone, even your enemies. Pray for those who mistreat you. God makes the sun rise and the rain fall on everyone, whether good or evil. If you only love those that love you or show kindness to your own people, what does that show? Even crooks and people who worship other gods do that. In your own life, try to be holy like God. But be careful that you aren't trying to be holy just to impress people. When you give to the needy, don't make a big show of it. Do it privately. God knows the good that you've done. When you pray, don't make it into a public performance. Pray privately. After all, a prayer is a conversation between you and God. And you don't need to babble on and on like those that worship other gods, thinking, oh, if only I can say the right words or enough words, then maybe my prayers will be answered. God already knows what you need before you speak. So when you pray, start by praising God's holiness, power, and authority. Then ask God to meet whatever needs you might have. Ask for your sins to be forgiven, remembering also to forgive those who've sinned against you. Finally, ask for God's protection from temptation and the schemes of the enemy, Satan. Don't focus on attaining wealth, which can be stolen or destroyed. Instead, put your efforts into doing the things that God values, and your reward will last forever. Your heart belongs to what you value the most. No one can serve two masters. So too, no one can serve both God and money. At this point, someone in the crowd yelled out, Teacher! Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Why are you trying to make me some kind of courtroom judge? Be on guard against greed. What you own does not bring you life. Picture uh, a wealthy farmer who had an amazing harvest. He thought to himself, What should I do? I have nowhere to store all my crops. I know. I'll tear down my old barns and build bigger ones to hold the extra. Then I can retire to a life of leisure. But God said to the man, Your desires are foolish. You didn't know that tonight you're going to die. So now who will get your wealth? This is how it will be for anyone who hoards what he has and is not generous towards what God cares about. You don't need to worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Isn't life bigger than those concerns? But even so, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest and store the excess food in barns. God feeds them. You're so much more important to God than a bird. 
Look at the flowers in the field. They don't spin thread into fabric to make clothes, but not even King Solomon was dressed as well as these. If that is how God clothes a flower that is here today and gone tomorrow, then won't you also be taken care of? You struggle to have faith. Don't be like those that worship other gods and spend their time worrying about worldly problems. God knows what you need. So seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. You'll receive all these other things that you need as well. Also, don't be too quick or harsh in judging others. The same standard of justice will be applied to you. Why are you even looking at the little things that other people do wrong and not focusing on fixing yourself? You're like someone who's trying to clean a speck of dust out of someone's eye while you have a stick protruding out of your own. And don't seek to correct people who won't value your correction. That's like giving a precious pearl to a pig. It'll, it'll just trample it in the mud and then it'll turn and attack you. When you ask God for what you need, you will receive it. If your son was hungry and asked you for some bread, would you give him a rock? If you, who are sinful, know how to take care of your own children, how much more will a perfect God take care of you? So do for other people what you would like done for yourself. This summarizes the entire law and the words of the prophets. Be careful about the path that you take in life. The path that will lead you to destruction is wide. And many people take it, but God's path, the path that leads to true life, that path is narrow, and not many find it. Watch out for false prophets. You can recognize them by the results of their actions. Can you get grapes from thorn bushes? Every good tree produces good fruit. Every bad tree produces bad fruit. Those trees should be removed from the orchard. Not everyone who claims to know God follows God. When their time of judgment comes, they will say, Lord, did we not prophesy and do miracles in your name? Then I will tell them, I don't know you. Leave me, you evil men. So, to those of you who are listening to me, you are each like a wise person who builds a house on solid rock. No matter what wind or rain came, it stood firm. But those who do not listen, they're like a foolish person who builds a house on sand. When the winds and rains came, it collapsed. Some of the people there told Jesus about some Galileans who had been horribly killed by Pilate, who was the Roman governor of that area. Jesus answered them, Do you think that these men were worse sinners because of how they suffered? No. What about the 18 who died during that tower collapse that you've all heard about? Were they more guilty than you? No. Death comes for everyone, so repent from your sins. When Jesus had finished preaching, he traveled down the mountain, and the crowds continued to follow him, amazed by how he taught with such godly authority, greater even than the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus returned to Capernaum, and there a Roman commander came to him and said, My servant is lying at my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus asked, Should I come and heal him? The soldier replied, I don't even deserve to have you in my house. But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Listen, 
I have military experience. I understand how authority works. I have soldiers under me. When I give them orders, they are followed immediately. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those around him, I can honestly say, I have never found anyone in Israel with this kind of faith. You should know that many will come from all over the world to join the feast that was originally laid out for the children of Abraham. And many who thought themselves those children will be thrown out. Sir, go back to your home. Your servant will be healed, exactly as you have said. After this, Jesus went to the Galilean town of Nain, followed by his disciples and the crowds. As he approached the town, he saw a funeral procession coming out. A widow's only son had died. And when Jesus saw the grieving mother, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went over to the dead boy and said, Young man, get up. Immediately. He sat up and began talking, and all the people were amazed and said, God has sent a great prophet to help us. And news about Jesus spread throughout the country as he traveled. Though he was still in prison, even John the Baptist received word of what Jesus was doing. In spite of everything that he had already seen and heard, John still wanted to be sure that this man was who he said he was. So he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. And they asked, Are you the one that the prophets spoke of? Or should we expect someone later? Jesus replied, Go back. Tell John what you've seen and heard for yourselves. The blind are receiving sight. The lame can walk. Those who have leprosy are clean. The deaf can hear. The dead are brought back to life. Good news is proclaimed to the poor. Don't lose faith in me and you will be blessed. After John's disciples left, Jesus said to the crowds who were gathered around him, Why did so many of you travel into the wilderness? You went to see a prophet, the one who was written about by Isaiah, the messenger who prepares the way for the Messiah. John is the greatest prophet ever born, save only for the Messiah. But anyone who enters the kingdom of God will be every bit John's equal. In fact, they'll become even greater. But so many people continue to ignore what they see and hear. They're like people who hear music but don't dance. John lived a life of poverty in the wilderness, and you said he was crazy. I, on the other hand, eat and drink among people wherever I go, and you call me a glutton and a drunk. But time will prove whether or not we were wise. The people who were listening could see God's wisdom in what Jesus was saying because they had been baptized by John, but the Pharisees and Sadducees had refused John's baptism and so did not take Jesus' words to heart. They soon brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak. And Jesus healed him. The people were amazed and asked themselves, Could this really be the descendant of David that Isaiah prophesied about? But when the religious leaders heard this, they said, It's only by Satan, the prince of demons, that this man has the authority to drive out demons. Jesus replied, Any kingdom, city, family, whatever, if it fights against itself, it will be ruined. 
If Satan drives out demons, he would only be fighting himself. And if I supposedly drive out demons using the power of Satan, then what power do you use? Look at the results. Judge for yourself if I'm using God's power or not. A good tree bears good fruit. You, on the other hand, are like a nest of poisonous snakes. How can you, who are evil, say what is good? People reveal their hearts with their words, and everyone will be judged for what they have spoken. While Jesus was speaking, his mother and brothers were on the edge of the crowd, waiting to speak with him because they thought that he had gone crazy at this point. Someone told Jesus that he should speak with them, and he replied, Who is my family? He pointed at his followers and said, Here is my family. Whoever follows God is my family. That same day, Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee. The crowds gathered around him were once again so large that he needed to climb into a nearby boat and start speaking with them from there and told them many stories. He said, The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in a field. Even though it's one of the smallest seeds, it grows into an enormous plant, big enough for birds to perch in its branches. Or how about this? A farmer went out to plant his seeds. As he was throwing them, some fell on the path and the birds quickly ate them. Others fell into rocky dirt. They sprang up quickly, but the sun quickly scorched them because they could not grow roots through the rock. Other seeds fell among thorny weeds. They sprouted, but they were quickly choked out. But some seeds fell onto good soil, where they grew tall and produced a crop 30, 60, 100 times larger than the initial seed. The kingdom of God is like a man who planted wheat in a field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and planted weeds among the seeds. Soon the wheat and the weeds sprouted together. The man's servants came to him and said, Where did these weeds come from? My enemy did this. But let them both grow together until the harvest, so that we don't accidentally pull up any wheat along with the weeds. When it is time, gather the weeds first, bundle them up to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. The kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. When a man found it, he joyfully sold everything he had just to buy that field. After this story, Jesus' followers asked, Why do you speak to the people with stories like this? Jesus replied, The secrets of the kingdom of God have been revealed to you, but not to them. It's like Isaiah prophesied, Though you hear, you will not understand. Though you will see, you will not perceive. Your hearts have been made callous, your ears deafened, your eyes closed. If you were able to hear and see, you would understand in your hearts and return to God to be healed. You are blessed because you can see and hear. Many prophets longed to have what you have. So let me explain this story to you. The seed is the message of the kingdom of God. Those who hear it but don't understand it they're like the seeds that fall on the path and are eaten before they sprout. The seeds among rocks are like people who gladly receive the message, but when hardship comes, they fall away. The seeds among thorns are like people who become overwhelmed with the worries of life, which keeps them from blooming. The seed in good soil is someone who hears and understands and produces good fruit in abundance.
In the story of the weeds, the one who planted the seeds is the son of God. The field is the world. The seeds are the people of the kingdom. The enemy is Satan and the weeds are his people. The harvest is the end of the age and the servants are angels. As the weeds are gathered and burned, so it will be at the end of the age. Everything that causes sin and all who are evil will be weeded out. They will be thrown into a fire where there is sadness and pain. After Jesus finished teaching the crowds, he got on a boat with his followers and crossed to the opposite shore. Along the way, a furious storm began, and soon waves had swept over the boat. Jesus somehow was sleeping through all of this. So his followers woke him up and said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus replied, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Then he got up and told the storm to be quiet, and immediately it stopped. His followers were amazed and asked each other, What kind of a man is this? Even nature obeys him. When they finally reached the shore, a demon-possessed man approached him. This man lived in the nearby tombs, and he was so violent and strong that he had made it impossible for people to pass this way, even breaking chains that were used to restrain him. Night and day, the people heard his cries coming from the hills, while in his misery he cut himself with stones. What do you want with us, Jesus, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before the final judgment? Don't destroy us. Send us into that herd of pigs. Jesus commanded them to leave. So they went into the herd of pigs, who then rushed down a steep hill into the lake and drowned. The pig herders ran off and reported everything they had seen to the nearby town. When they returned and saw the man in his right mind, sitting with Jesus, they were afraid and begged Jesus to leave. The man who had been healed wanted to go with Jesus, but he said, No, go back to your home. Tell everyone what God has done for you. Then Jesus got back in his boat and returned to where he had come from. After he disembarked, the crowds quickly found him again. Among them was a Pharisee named Jairus, who said to Jesus, My daughter is dying, but if you come and you put your hand on her, she will live. So Jesus got up with his followers and followed the man to his home. Along the way, there was a woman who had been sick and suffering for twelve years. She had spent everything she had on doctors, but had only gotten worse. When she came up behind him and touched the edge of his clothing, she was thinking, If I just touch him, I'll be healed. And she was right. When she touched him, her sickness left immediately. Knowing that power had left him, Jesus asked, Who touched me? His followers said, We're surrounded by people. You're asking who touched you? But he kept looking around, and the woman came trembling before him and fell down at his feet and told him everything. Jesus looked at her and said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. While he was still speaking, some men came to Jairus and said, Jairus, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, but your daughter has died. We should, we should leave this teacher alone and not bother him anymore. Overhearing this, Jesus said, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. When they finally arrived at Jairus' house, he was greeted by the loud noise of many mourners. He said to them, Go away. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. They laughed at him, but left, as he asked. After the room was cleared, he took the girl by the hand, and she got up and walked out. 
as Jesus was leaving the area, two blind men came to him and called out, Have mercy on us, son of David. He asked, Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. He touched their eyes and said, Your faith has healed you. And their sight was instantly restored. He warned them, Don't tell anyone about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all throughout the region. Jesus continued to go through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, telling them of the good news of the kingdom of God, and healing the sick. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were like a flock of sheep without a shepherd. He said to his followers, there's so much work to be done, but so few workers. Ask God to keep sending out workers into the field. It isn't time to go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans yet. Focus on the lost sheep of Israel. Tell them the kingdom of God is near. You are to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead freely. You have received, now freely give. Don't take any money or supplies with you. Whatever town you go to, find a person who's happy to let you stay with them. A blessing of peace will be on that house. But if no one will welcome you and listen then leave that place. It would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than those who won't listen. You need to be careful when you go out. Smart as a snake, but innocent as a dove. You may get arrested or beaten for what you say, but when that happens, don't worry about what to say in your defense. When the time comes, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You will be hated because of me, but those who listen and believe will be saved. When you are rejected in one place, go to another. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Don't assume that I will bring peace to everyone. My words, they will cut through people like a sword. Because of me, some families will be fractured. Anyone who loves his family more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who isn't willing to daily sacrifice for God's kingdom is not worthy of that kingdom. Whoever worries about life will lose it. Whoever is willing to sacrifice his life in service to God will find a richer life than they ever knew. So anyone who welcomes you is welcoming me and God who sent me. With these words, his followers went out and did as Jesus had instructed them. Though John the Baptist was languishing in prison, Herodias continued to nurse a grudge against him, desiring his death but was unable to order his execution because Herod Antipas feared John, knowing him to be a righteous man who was sent by God. John's words puzzled Herod, but he liked to listen to him speak. On Herod's birthday, he threw a banquet for his highest officials, military commanders, and other important men of Galilee. Herodias' daughter came to the banquet and danced for Herod and his guests, and he was so pleased by this that he said to her, Ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. She went out and asked her mother what she should say to Herod. Her mother told her what to say, and she returned to Herod and said, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed by this request, but because he had made a promise in front of his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So John was executed, and when his disciples learned of this, they took his body and laid it in a tomb. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my name is Matt, and uh, if you'd like to give me any feedback, you can email me at mattsgodstory at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-D-S 
S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com. And if you'd like a transcript of this or any of the previous uh, chapters, you can go to mattsgodstory.blogspot.com. Have a safe and blessed weekend. We'll see you later.